0: Okay, ladies and gentlemen, uh, good afternoon. We have a, a very packed event here today. I'm Mattia Bagnoli, ANSA correspondent here in Brussels. ANSA is the National Italian News Agency. Um, and uh, uh, we have uh, our keynote speakers that today they will guide us. And uh, through the, um, this topic is very, uh, is very timely um the challenge of the green tra- transition for the aviation sectors and um we all know that uh air travel is sexy planes are sexy we all love to travel to to fly uh, but the sector maybe is facing greater challenges than than others when uh, uh facing the greens transition so uh we'll hear from our panelists and our keynote speakers um what we are facing in terms of uh, developments in the sector. So without further uh, further ado, I will give uh, the floor to the um, uh, keynote speakers. So on my list, I have uh, Mr. Marco Campomenosi,
1: and uh, please. Uh, Thank you very much, uh, Mr. Bagnoli. It's a great pleasure for me to host uh, all of you here. Um, I'm an Italian member of the Transport Committee, and it will be a pleasure i know mr hololei of course uh, it's a great pleasure to have you because what um, we are listening here today is very interesting it's totally um, um in uh, in line with, with what we are as legislator legislators doing uh, here in the european institutions uh, the pact uh, for the decarbonization of air transport is uh, something for which i think uh, it will be interested for us to know. It's an update about what uh, the, the enterprises, in this case, in my country Italy are doing, but uh, I think that uh, we have uh, many of these good cases in all over uh, the European Union. The efforts made by Aeroporto di Roma for us, Italians are very clear. I think also my colleague uh, that will uh, come later to uh, join uh, the panel will confirm this. And, um, and they have already presented this uh, in uh, in Italy in the Italian chamber uh, in uh, September. Uh, we as legislators know very well uh, that uh, the role of the European Union is important, not only for what uh, we already did uh, not me of course, uh, but uh, the MEPs and commissioners here uh, many years ago for the competition of the sector for which uh, air carriers, uh, airports and passengers are, uh, are uh, Wow. Uh, very, very important, and for, wo- for which uh, our uh, f- not only the European connectivity but also the freight uh, uh, transport uh, is, is important. Uh, actually, we are working on different uh, uh, topics uh, which are at different uh, moments uh, close to the end of a legislative uh, production of a legislative produ- producer. Uh, we speak about ETS. emission trade system fuel eu aviation Mm -hmm. for which uh, also we are very close of course we are also uh, uh, we are also close to the reform of the so-called AFIR alternative fuels infrastructure regulation and then the single european sky which is maybe a bit more complex because uh, the council has not the level of ambitions of the european parliament or at least of our great Rapporteur, Mr. Marinescu, which is not only a a good colleague, but also an expert of the sector. But I'm also confident on the fact that also in European Sky, we could have good, good, um, good developments soon. Of course, on the slot regulations, especially during the pandemic, the European Commission and us we had to work closely in order to have more flexibility to have to help the, the companies, and uh, and um, we are coming out to say to a moment uh, for which, out of the pandemic, we are ready to restart uh, uh, for to develop the sector for all the potential that they could give to all of us. Regarding uh, fuel aviation, I would like to mention uh, that uh, the, the efforts made by the parliament uh, are very important, for example, on this uh, sustainable aviation fuels, uh, requirements uh, for uh, suppliers, obligations. So in this case, of course, uh, we are speaking about uh, a sector for which uh, uh, ambition has to be concrete and that's to be balanced uh, because uh, uh, of course uh, we need also to uh, to have flexibility and to to find the, the best solutions in order not to ask too much uh, to, to the enterprises but I think uh, that that it's a good challenge for which we could work all together. On the single European sky I already mentioned the fact that at the moment how uh, to say we are waiting for an opening, how to say, from, from, from the Council, because some member states are quite uh, reluctant. Um, politically speaking, of course, this is not the role of speaking politically. It's about the fact that targets we are asking for as legislators are important. In some cases, we are divided on the paths, on the ways to find... Uh, uh, the same aims to the same results because transition is nowadays uh, an idea, a concept for which every political group is engaged. This is something for which, uh, as a, a centre right politician, I would say maybe my 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 side later than the others, but now we are all engaged on this on these uh, things, and uh, and uh, and uh, of course uh, we we have to to build uh, an infrastructure for which uh, we could develop uh, everything in, in a good way. The, the, the connectivity of the future will ask maybe the air, airport uh, sectors to 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 have uh, more um, links with the railway sector, for which I think uh, we are also working very well. Aeroporti di Roma is a good example in this way, but not only Aeroporti di Roma. Of course, today we are focused our attention To you, there is a question of competition, in this case, competition between different sectors. I am a shadow rapporteur uh, on the TNT, I know very well how also this aspect has to be be, uh, relevant and important. For the rest, of course, uh, the aim of to have a 2050 with net zero mixture, to have uh, maybe... uh, a social sustainability regarding all our efforts i think are the guidelines about what we are doing and of course it's a great pleasure for me to hear from you from our guests from the panelists uh, later um, which are the development and exchange of ideas which i think is very useful for our jobs our activity here as well thank you very much to be here
0: Thank you, mister Campanaminosi. Our second keynote speaker of the first part of this uh, meeting today is Mr. Claudio Eminente uh, from ENAC, which is the Italian Civil Aviation Authority. Um, So please, sir, you have the floor.
2: Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. As a representative of the Italian Civil Aviation Authority, ENAC, it's a great pleasure to take part in this event to witness the progress of this Italian initiative, promoted by Aeroporti di Roma in collaboration with the Politecnico di Milano. This agreement represents concrete evidence of how seriously our country is working to find suitable solutions to address the impact that the air transport sector can have on the climate. With the certainty that this best practice will not only benefit national civil aviation, but can also be a source of inspiration for other European countries. There is a strong awareness of how much the speed and efficiency that distinguish air transport have contributed to global connectivity and mobility, furthering the development of the socio-economic well-being of entire territories and generation and the world as we know it today. At this historical moment, it's essential to put in place a process of transformation and revolution aimed at limiting the carbon footprint on the environment, and thus concretize the process of reconciliation between air transport and the environment. The development of best practice is an essential first step toward the creation of a uniform regulatory framework that introduces sustainability standards that will enable the achievement of a European Union net zero carbon emissions by 2050. And to meet the additional European goals by 2030. In order to bring this ambitious challenge to its completion, therefore, the need for the importance of the role played by institutions, both national and European, that have made sustainable development a pillar of the common transport policy, is evident. Inac and Italy are working to create a cutting-edge sector to deliver the new gen- to new generation a green, futuristic, and environmental-friendly civil aviation. The Italian Civil Aviation Authority is indeed a strategic organization, capable of effective in managing relations with different stakeholders and, above all, able to look to the future and the opportunities offered by technological development with particular attention to the issues of environmental sustainability through decarbonization. Environmental protection, decarbonisation, energy efficiency and rational use of resources are concepts that are destined to become the basis of a renewed and different policy that guides civil aviation toward reconciliation with the environment. Index goals are clear. Build a sustainable future and improve the quality of life, including through the use of advanced air mobility. Enhance mass mobility with electric and hydrogen-powered air vehicles and innovative infrastructure. Create an ecosystem to guide the nation toward the third dimension, the air one, in full compliance with the sustainability targets. There are a variety of measures that will be taken to foster the decarbonization of aviation through the development of new technologies to improve connectivity and increase accessibility to transportation networks foster reconciliation between aviation and the environment by reducing inequalities however it should be pointed out that these measures are entirely in line with awareness towards environmental issues that has characterized our sector for several years now in fact in the last years the investment in the national airport systems infrastructure has always been characterized by an almost total focus on digitalization, technological innovations, and development of sustainable energy sources. ENAC's ENAC's focus on sustainable issues extends to all airport infrastructure in our territory, from airports directly managed by ENAC to those currently under concession of the various airport operating companies. The rationalization of airport infrastructure and are using a green key, urban and advanced air mobility to simplify macro mobility and logistics, space economy, with the Crotalia spaceport and suborbital flights, are some of the experts that, for example, INAC is implementing to concretize the achievement mm-hmm. of sustainability and decarbonization goals with the involvement of all stakeholders. In addition, in the energy domain, ENAC is committed to optimizing the energy efficiency of domestic airports by increasing the deployment of alternative source, sources of electricity production, such as photovoltaic panels, and collaborating with other entities. This is, in fact, the case of ENEA, Energia Nucleare Energy Alternative, an Italian public body with which ENAC is working to define and implement forms of synergy in the energy and environmental areas. Confirming ENAC's committing, commitment to this green perspective, ENAC has rege, uh, recently published a draft issue of the PNA, National Airports Plan, a policy and a technical guideline document for the development of air transport and the airport system, which aims to enhance the competitiveness of the national economic system by implementing the sector's ecological and digital transition. The plan introduces a new concept of travel-by-air, which is based on intermodality and the use of sustainable next-generation aircraft, thus creating an ecosystem accessible, reliable, efficient, and safe, and outlines mobility with low environmental impact, such as advanced air mobility. In line with the indication contained in the plan, It's essential to invest in the implementation and use of alternative fuels and other sustainable power types, such as electric and hydrogen, ensuring infrastructure compatibility, develop and share best practice for the green aviation of the future. And today's event can be an example of this, including smart buildings, renewable energy, sustainable mobility, resilient development, Development of salts and low carbon aviation fuel. ENAC's aim through the definition of the PNA and the creation of external form of collaboration is in fact to foster the implementation of a development model for the next generation aviation sector, which is based on the concept of transformative resilience, understood as the system's ability not only to passively resist the impact of climate change and respond to the needs of the present, but to actively evolve toward a more sustainable future, sizing the opportunities that technological and global economic evolution will bring in the coming years, consistent with European targets. Thank you for the attention. Thank you, you.
0: and then we have uh our third keynote speaker, Mr. Stefano Verrecchia, who's the uh, amb- Italian ambassador to Coroper 2, and, sorry, uh, 1, sorry, and, and, uh, uh, which is the committee who actually oversight the uh, transport and energy. So please
3: um, give us your thoughts. Thank you so much. Um, honorable members, uh, ladies and gentlemen, dear friends, uh, this afternoon event is important for the aviation sector giving us an opportunity to address together some of the key themes uh, we are facing in the world of transportation today. It is a pleasure to, to stay here with you and uh, I wish to thank uh, in particular Mr. Marco Trancone, CEO of Aeroporto di Roma, for taking this initiative. Uh, I can only but express Italy's strong support to an important initiative aimed in at uh, decarbonizing the air transport, which is one of the key challenges. Uh, we face in-person climate uh, neutrality by 2050. Uh, for years, if not decades, the aviation uh, sector has been accused of not being sustainable, sometimes earning a bad reputation as the most polluting means of transport. At the same time, we simply must recognize that air transportation is bound to remain a driver and enabling factor for overall economic growth. The surge in air travel after the COVID pandemic demonstrates that air travel remains essential in its contribution to global connectivity, thereby bolstering global socio economic development. Uh, we must therefore come together as uh, regulators, uh, scientific community and industry players in reducing air travel's impact on human health and environmental sustainability. The pact for uh, decarbonisation promoted by Aeroporti di Roma is, in our view, a best practice in this regard that merits our support and could be a good example for also other European countries. The pact brings together all the stakeholders involved in the green transition phase, from tech firms to associations to the academia and policy makers, in crafting a roadmap in order to pave the way leading to a, a net zero emissions aviation sector. The project is in particular a very important step for Italy as a concrete model to promote air transport decarbonization in line with the regulatory instruments that we are acti- actively crafting at the national level and together with our EU partners. In this regard, as you know, uh, we are now at an important juncture as we negotiate with the European Parliament the final experts uh, of the Fit for 55 climate package, including the review EU aviation regulation, which uh, uh, will, of course, have a major impact on the future of air transportation. We are convinced that the aviation sector needs targeted policies in order to reach the objectives of climate (coughs) neutrality while enabling a further expansion and development of air transport. In order to reach these goals, we believe the industry needs clear binding rules and objectives that can be achieved along a rational path and through intermediate targets. Uh, through RefuelU, uh, what we are trying to do is to craft a positive policy that is able to promote and develop the market of sustainable aviation fuels, the so-called SAFs. Um, we all hope that a SAF file can be cl- closed soon, as it will surely help aviation to become more uh, sustainable, even though it cannot be the only, the only answer. Uh, more synergies need to be put in place also at uh, regulatory level, making sure that the way regulators address the aviation sectors is coherent with the overall climate strategy we are putting in place, especially when it comes to the multifaceted approach to the transport uh, sector. I'm confident that this debate uh, will feed into our work. Uh, we'll also keep following the PAC's work um, with great interest and look forward to the ideas and solutions uh, it will be able to bring to the crucial debate on the future of t- transport. And with this, thank you so much, and, and uh, uh, I wish you a good, very good job for the rest of the day.
0: Thank you so much. And we have here Henrik Hollolay, uh, who is the Director General of DG MOVE. So the European institutions have been called into action. Here we have one.
4: Thank you. Thank you very much, and uh, very good afternoon to all of you, honourable members, ambassador, ladies and gentlemen, dear friends. It's um, it's a very timely event, and I'm very happy to uh, uh, to be here, invited uh, uh, to uh, to address you. I was also very keen to come to uh, uh, to see, uh, of course, my friend Marco, and uh, I still remember very vividly uh, the excellent tour that we had in Aeroporto di Roma uh, during summer, and where you also showed the extremely impressive uh, upgrades that uh, you have been doing there, and uh, of course getting ready for the um, uh, for the future as well as many of the challenges. Uh, So, um, even more so was I keen to come here and uh, since the topic is very topical about the making aviation more sustainable, then um, there are also positive examples that um, I reported Roma itself can uh, share and uh, which I would also definitely like to underline. But um, let's um, look at the bigger picture. Uh, Aviation is back. Uh, after the COVID and, of course, many many challenges that were there over the last years, including the uh, brutal Russian aggression in uh, in Ukraine, here in Europe, uh, despite of all that, uh, aviation is getting close to where it was in 2019 when the COVID kicked in. Um, the um, flights uh, in uh, the the EU have. Uh, uh, come close to uh, what they were Uh, before the covid we are about 87 86 percent and uh, and of course um, uh, it is uh, it is good to see that the uh, trend is definitely upwards italy is the fifth largest Uh, market when it comes also to the flights and there has been a very good progress uh, compared to last year I mean the number of flights in Italy have grown 45% so uh, that also actually is one of the fastest uh, recovering uh, markets that we are seeing now and uh, uh, being only about 12% from the 2019 levels. Uh, Of course, this is about the flights. The number of passengers uh, still has some way to go, but uh, this is also already way above 80% and uh, also growing. So this is all good things. I think that this also shows that um, people like to fly. Uh, They have a lot of... um, Uh, doomsday uh, theories uh, at the time when we had COVID that uh, there will be no business travel there will be people will not want to come back and fly that was absolutely wrong because what the kind of demand we saw during this summer was absolutely remarkable and it continues to be so also when we look at the forward booking so yes there is going to be uh, quite a busy time despite of the uncertainties that we are living through, despite of all the challenges that we are having also in the economic side, despite of the high inflation, people are still very keen to uh, take a plane or any other means, and most importantly, to travel in Europe and beyond. And I think that that also puts uh, challenges to us, because I think everybody who took a plane last summer still might be traumatized, because um, the uh, challenges that we experienced uh, uh, in different locations in the airports, uh, but also on the planes because of the lack of staff in the security uh, controls, uh, in, the, in the getting our uh, luggage to the destination, this all was something which uh, was of course shock, uh, sent shockwaves throughout the Aviation Value Network last summer. And I think that everybody in the Aviation Value Network today will say that our ecosystem, as you prefer, would say never again. Uh, we definitely don't want our passengers, our traveling public, to go through what they had to go through last summer. And that's why it is essential to be ready for this summer. And that, of course, only can be achieved in very close collaboration by all players of the aviation ecosystem. Even if one player is not delivering, it means that the whole chain is having an impact and that's why the airports, the airlines, the air navigation service providers, but equally the governments with their passport controls, uh, those who deliver the security controls, ground handlers and so on, they all need to be ready for next summer. And I have no doubt that Aeroporto di Roma is among those who is ready for next summer because I think it was one of the best performing airports also during last summer when we had many challenges because they started early and uh, they were also more forward-looking and uh, being ready to deliver. So this is something where also the aviation sector is going to be very much tested in the next uh, months ahead and uh, that is, uh, I think, very important why we all need to work together, including, of course, the regulators. But um, having said that, what we have in the immediate future, which is um, continuously strong demand, people want to fly, but also the possibility of disruption as well as the uncertainties around, we need to see also what is the biggest challenge for aviation in the next years, in the next decades to come. And that is, as has been said also by the previous speakers, it is obviously the sustainability of the whole sector. Aviation simply cannot continue as business as usual. I think everybody agrees with that and um, aviation has to become more more sustainable. I would never say that there should be less aviation, but what I would say is that the more we have aviation, the more sustainable this aviation also has to be. And uh, I think this is uh, the societal demand this is also something what the sector itself has finally very well understood. But something where, for example, when we talk about the airport community, where they started much earlier and uh, setting up the uh, uh, airport um, uh, accreditation program for the, for, the, for the green airports, all these kind of steps were already put in place. And, and I think that they have also yielded them uh, a good results and need to do so also in the future. But aviation is not easy to be uh, decarbonized and to made more sustainable there are of course many developments which are happening of course we have uh, more performant aircraft we have lighter airframes we have better engines uh, we even have better flight paths occasionally when the ANSPs are ready to deliver that and uh, since we still don't have the single european sky which is a big shame and i think that that was also said by the previous speakers how can we are there i want to give a a tribute to the parliament to the tran committee especially to mr marinescu which was also mentioned by uh, honorable member uh, campo menosi but also the team there because the um, ambition of the parliament uh, in delivering single european sky is not comparable to the non-ambition that we see in the Council. But nevertheless, we need to push forward. We are very much with the Parliament. We want to see the results. And we have to see the results because we want to have more sustainable aviation. And we know that there are no easy and fast measures that can deliver that. Then we could cut 10% of the emissions in aviation in Europe if we would have better flight paths and if we would be able to deliver the single European sky. So really, I think that uh, also, the regulators and the states owe it to the airspace users and to the whole sector because you can't expect the sector to become more sustainable if you don't give the possibilities for that and if you don't deliver things which are actually making a difference. But um, having said all that, and of course, uh, we all know that um, the future will also uh, bring uh, zero emission aircrafts, uh, be they uh, Electric, hybrid electric, hydrogen aircraft, but uh, this is still takes time until they, they become a norm. And even if they are, they will be probably operating only on an ultra short haul or short haul or very short haul uh, destinations uh, or, or city pairs. So, uh, so this is not uh, the uh, uh, short term or the medium term solution. Maybe long term when you have new technologies being deployed and developed, but uh, again, we are not there yet. So what and where do we need to focus? And again, that was already mentioned earlier. It is, of course, the sustainable aviation fuels. Sustainable aviation fuels is going to be the single most important component of this so-called basket of measures, which allows the aviation to become more sustainable. We calculated it takes about um, 60% to two-thirds by 2050 uh, which is uh, saved when the co C O2 is abated through the use uh, extensive use of the sustainable aviation uh, fuels, and that's why also we have tabled the uh, refuel EU aviation proposal, which is currently uh, in the trilogue mode. We had a very serious trilogue in December, uh, and um, uh, was it November? Uh, but and uh, and we all hoped. Uh, that uh, after nine hours of discussions, we will be able to come to a good conclusion because I think the package on the table was very promising, but unfortunately that was not the day to happen. So uh, uh, we need to work on this again with the new presidency, the Swedish presidency, and of course in close cooperation and collaboration with the parliament. And the commission is there to facilitate because we can't lose a single day more than we have already lost. And we really hope that in the next weeks uh, it will be possible to... uh, to, to, uh, to find the compromise which also sends a strong signal to the market, to the fuel producers and of course um, uh, to everyone who will be there in order to support the um, industrialization of this production because there is a long way to go un- un- until we get to the blending levels that we expect But at the same time, 2025 and 2030 are not very far away. So this is something where we really need to focus. This is something which is extremely important. And this is something where, again, it's in the interest of everybody in the aviation ecosystem. Of course, coming back to the airports, there is no doubt that there is a readiness to the airports to deliver, because as long as the fuel producers bring blended fuel uh, to the market, then it's the same as you do today with the kerosene. So it doesn't need to make big efforts in the future when uh, liquid, green liquid hydrogen is also, liquefied hydrogen is also available. That, of course, means that the airports have to do more investments uh, in order to create the infrastructure, but we are not there yet. But what is very important is also to... to, uh, Um, uh, invest in uh, making electricity available in the airport and also using uh, the different tools uh, that you have Uh, like uh, for example uh, the um, uh, electric airport shuttles, cars, uh, all the towing machines and so on which is actually the case in many of the uh, airports already. But talking about the sustainability and also talking about the our host, the reporter De Roma, I just want to comment what what they have been uh, achieving. They have been a very putting down a very clear commitment to become net zero by 2030. Uh, you have also uh, made efforts in terms of energy efficiency, the reduction of 50 percent of electricity consumption since 2009, thanks to the large investments in lighting and more efficient air conditioning and the use of renewable energy. I think this is also a very good example. Uh, you have been able to uh, decrease steadily the emissions per passenger over the last decade. um, Also in terms of noise, which plays an important role, you have been able to build artificial dunes of four to six meters alongside the runway to limit the noise while taxing and um, also plant barrier alongside the motorway and uh, and i think that uh, all these measures of course what you have been doing as well as uh, uh, cutting the reduction of water consumption uh, which is halved in the last 10 years shows also your uh, environmental commitment and this is no surprise why uh, your airport has also been uh, given the airport uh, carbon accreditation four plus which is the maximum number that one can achieve, so it 's very important to continue in this path it 's a long way to go. It is very important to get all the aviation ecosystem uh, closely involved and uh, and I think that is going to make the difference because we need that difference and we really need to contribute as much as we can to make aviation more sustainable and also use all the tools that we have on this I would um, I would also uh, like to mention of course the issues related to capacity. I mean the capacity in the air we are well aware the challenges and also the congestion we used to see in the past and which is already coming back we saw that also last summer and the challenge again is the 2023 because it's not only about the disruption on the ground uh, it's also very much the potential disruption in the air. European airspace is in a much more challenging position as it was um, a few years ago because we have today about 80% of airspace available and we have now more than 90% of the flights in the airspace. So what does it mean and how? Well, it's obviously related to the Russian aggression because there is much more military activity in the European airspace also by the military aircrafts. which means that more of the civilian airspace has to be dedicated uh, for the uh, military purposes, for surveillance flights, for all kinds of training flights, And, of course, uh, we have never had so many uh, military aircrafts in the European airspace as we have had over the last uh, six months. And that, of course, has an effect because already congested airspace is going to become even more congested if we are not doing everything in our disposal to avoid that. But the capacity on the ground is also a big challenge in the medium and long term, and already in some places the short term. It's difficult to enlarge the airports, and the question then becomes, are we really using efficiently everything that is possible on the ground? Are we using the current uh, tools efficiently? Are we using the slots efficiently? And, of course, these are the questions that uh, uh, we need to address and discuss also in the next years to come and to find solutions how we can increase the efficiencies, how you can increase the capacity, so that aviation is also able to continue uh, to provide a pleasurable experience to the traveling public. The last point I want to make in this context is, of course, innovation. Innovation plays a very big role. Aviation is a sector which, over the last uh, 100 years, when the civil aviation has existed, has contributed significantly uh, in innovative solutions and continues uh, to do so. And, and it has also been in the, in the in the in the front line, and I think that it is important to continue on that way so digital solutions digitalization plays a big role also the use of the artificial intelligence uh, we know that we can make uh, our aviation safer, we can make our aviation more efficient by using all these tools, and they are going to play a bigger role in the future and all, that also means that um, there are there are new entrants in the market which are going to make uh, a difference and uh, I'm talking about the innovative air mobility, which um, in a more simple way, it is called the drones, which are emerging in our low altitude airspace in the next uh, years to come, uh, making a big difference, creating a lot of new opportunities and um, delivering on many fronts for the public services for the um, uh, for the for the freight transport but ultimately and eventually also for the human transportation, which I think is going to be a very, very excited chapter in the history of um, aviation. So that also means that there has to be the readiness of uh, the, the airports to, to accommodate that and, uh, and, of course, to make sure that the safety and security will be maintained on the highest level. I'm, again, very well aware that the airport di Roma is part of the work that has been done in Italy in order to develop the innovative air mobility. And, of course, with that experience, they can surely share the best practices also with many others in Europe. So uh, I think uh, a lot of um, Uh, uh, challenges, a lot of opportunities, and uh, most important is that um, we will be able to um, face them, overcome them, and make sure that uh, aviation continues to serve well the societies, but in doing so in a much more sustainable way than it has until now. So once again, thank you very much for having me here, and uh, very keen also to listen to the interesting debate that is soon to come. Thank you.
0: Thank you so much for your words. Um, You've given us uh, uh, quite a, <laughs> a very uh, heavy load of food for thoughts. And uh, now uh, I'll give the floor to Marco Troncone, the CEO of Aeroporto Roma, for his speech. Thank you.
5: Thank you very much. Thank you, Director General, for your vision, for your kind words. Uh, and uh, of course, thanks for for all the participants for the time and the attention that they're dedicating today to this endeavor, and of course to the works of the of this um, initiative. So, uh, just a few a few charts to to explain why we're doing this effort, why, wh- where we're we coming from. So, a bit of context before before everything. The overall context today is is a, is a challenging one; it's not a supportive one. Um, we've seen. Uh, based on the outcome of the last uh, COP uh, in Sharm el-Sheikh last, uh, last year, COP27. It was anticipated to be a difficult one. Some said a flop. Certainly we can say it was not a, a success. Uh, yes, uh, progress on the loss and damage, on equality, on staying, um, supporting, bearing the, the costs of the, of the transition, but no progress on uh, emission reduction. Certainly no progress on uh, the reduction or elimination of fossil fuels. So altogether, not really a, a great progress. Not a surprise because the overall political context is not uh, a supporting one. Today, um, fighting uh, global uh, g- gas emissions and, gl- and climate change is not the top priority in times in which energy security and energy independence is certainly uh, a priority in times in which putting together a global agenda which is uh, of the essence uh, when tackling this issue is hard uh, in terms of decoupling of uh, tensions. And also in times in which uh, also the, the public opinion, the political agenda in many states, we've seen also the, the last political campaign in, in Italy, well, fighting global um, climate change was not really at the center of the, of the agenda. But of course, this is due to, to change soon. Uh, meanwhile, the, the, the problem is, uh, if possible, is, is of course worsening. Uh, the, the targets which have been reaffirmed of, you know, containing the, uh, the increase of, global temperature uh, maximum of 1.5 degrees by 2050 is confirmed, but we will, of course, this target seems more and more out of reach. Uh, commitments are not sufficient. Many states have, do not have a real roadmap. Uh, and uh, actually, the, the global thermometer is, is going, uh, it's moving, but of course in the, right, in the wrong uh, uh, direction. Uh, 1.1 uh, degrees uh, above pre-industrial average is already, is already there. But this means that, of course, uh, this issue will be becoming uh, more and more urgent when uh, these distractions on the, on the global agenda will, will disappear. And in that time, um, in the medium term, probably the, uh, one of the uh, uh, sectors which would probably be a more, in a more risky position will be the aviation sector. In times when the issue will be, again, becoming more and more urgent and when, in, in the list of the bad sectors, possibly the aviation sector will uh, acquiring new positions, but well, at that time, we, we probably will face a very vulnerable, very very, very dangerous situation. Often we say uh, in, in, the, in the sector that we account for some 2% of the global problem, which uh, cannot be an alibi by all means. This only means that our billion tons of CO2 equivalents are visible, maybe not a prevailing, but a visible part of a, a massive problem made of 50 billion tons of CO2, so a massive one. And also, that 2% promises to possibly increase in the medium term. In five to years time, there's an analysis you can see in this uh, in this chart. Uh, a possible increase by 2030 may actually double the number because the carbon intensity of the sector will not change materially in the short term and because the other sectors, the less hard to abate, of course, will make some progress. So at that time, when again, the, the attention will again refocus on the issue, and the aviation sector will still be a, a, bit, a bit in the middle of that path uh, we cannot risk to be uh, let me say, criticized by uh, public opinion uh, some flesh shaming uh, trends are already, already in place but uh, of course we cannot be uh, let me say, subject to restrictive of uh, punishing uh, policies made of against restriction or uh, punitive taxation this is the risk we we have to to avoid In a situation which uh, uh, actually uh, policies, potential policies which may uh, advocate for a reduction of flying uh, actually are not really the way forward, certainly not on the uh, medium-long-old segments. The sector is is a crucial one, is a a strategic one for many uh, economies, especially uh, economies which rely a lot on global connectivity for their prosperity, for their cultural progress, economic uh, social progress. And of course it's it's a sector which has the power to produce a lot of economic resources which must be preserved, if not developed, in order to actually be diverted and dedicated to the initiatives that uh, have to be financing a transition. A transition which promises to be extremely complex and extremely costly. And these resources uh, will have to come from the sector itself. So it's just a matter, again, to... to, uh, give the right direction to the allocation of the resources, not rather to reduce the resources that that sector can actually produce. And in this situation in which, again, we, what we may face in the short term, in the next 15 years, in which the, the sector may face very, very hard times, uh, we have to have a, a very credible and, and convincing answer, uh, uh, um, which, of course, must be based on a, a clear aligned science-based uh, roadmap uh, towards the solution which is there. The science indicates that the solution uh, is possible, mm-hmm. that uh, zero aviation, uh, zero emission, uh, aviation sector is possible, it's just a matter, again, to be credible and convincing on how to get there. So in times in which uh, actions, uh, aspirations, uh, targets, uh, plans, initiatives, projects, multiply, and in 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 uh, in sector in which the actors which concur to this transition are uh, very many, not necessarily all integrated. We need to have uh, again a common agenda, an integrated table, in which on which to bo- to pose uh, a um, an answer for the way forward. And this is basically where we're coming from. Um, in this chart, uh, we see that uh, uh, this is a chart uh, um, whose source is from the Clean Aviation uh, Joint Undertaking, which is a, a public private partnership between the European Commission and the, and the aviation industry. Uh, well, the, the levers that we can. Uh, Apply are, are several. Some were also mentioned by Director General Olay uh, regarding the uh, uh, more efficient uh, airspace utilization, but of course also a, a more prefer- better performing ATC infrastructure, certainly a more efficient aircraft. But probably the the one that you see here highlighted is probably again the the, the key lever. So the utilization of sustainable uh, aviation fuels. In fact, uh, basically uh, all the uh, uh, let me say indications about on how to arrive at 2050 in terms of you know which are the initiatives we should produce a progress in terms of reduction of emissions indicate that more than a half of the problems will be solved even at that time even betting on the success of new technologies on saf and you see this uh, as a as a um, as a as a, an evidence by all the general consensus of the analysts, And in fact, uh, uh, SAF indeed uh, is at the center of the uh, emerging policies, uh, just thinking about the EU refuel uh, initiatives. Uh, Again, no surprise as being uh, SAF a a a drop-in, ready-to-use technology which is not calling for significant investments, nor on the aircraft side, Mm -hmm. and also on the storage and distribution of fuel um, when when it comes to, to this. But, uh, however, many challenges are ahead of us, and we, we need to be also clear about that, which may pose some headwind in the medium term regarding SAF. SAF today uh, is produced by uh, biomass, uh, several uh, today, especially from, uh, from uh, waste, uh, waste oils. Uh, but there are a number of other uh, biological feedstocks which can help uh, in producing SAF. But, uh, many, many uh, scientific uh, uh, studies indicate that uh, this actually may arrive to a uh, capacity constraint when it comes to, again, feedstock availability in the medium term. The, there's a study indicating, we'll see that in the, in the, in the next chart, that says that uh, uh, SAF made by uh, bio-based SAF will actually uh, probably support a maximum five, six percent of the uh, jet fuel consumption uh, in the European landscape uh, in, the, in the medium term. And uh, possibly in the medium long term, hence uh, uh, the uh, the issue will also to be to uh, to try and work on uh, on synthetic SAF, meaning SAF which can be produced by combining uh, CO2 which has to be captured and, and green hydrogen. This is a uh, a, um, a technology which has been identified, but is but quite far from being mature, from in both in terms of production processes and in terms of economical sustainability. Hence, also, uh, uh, me say R&D efforts and R&D uh, me say initiatives must be focused on, the, on this stuff. So, we have two, two, two phases, uh, um, uh, biological stuff which is uh, produced today, but the production is far from uh, being what uh, uh, the, the sector actually calls uh, and, 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 uh, and, and uh, needs. And so we need the production to be uh, accelerated and, uh, and, and deployed in more, more uh, visible ways, and also prepare for the challenges that we will be uh, facing in the medium and long term when biological stuff will actually uh, hit uh, feedstock constraints, constraints. So we have to focus on R and D on synthetic, synthetic stuff, and also uh, another issue that uh, the. Uh, let me say the, 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 the science also is indicating is that uh, uh, it will take time uh, to reach an economical su- sustainability for uh, for SAF. Uh, in this chart, we see that uh, uh, indicative uh, cost uh, of of SAF is today about three to four times as much the uh, uh, traditional fossil fuel uh, based SAF um uh, fuel um, this will actually be going down thanks to economies of scale to uh, more efficient uh, production po- uh, processes but it will take time today the cost differential is massive is uh, uh, at least uh, uh, making a global average uh, over a hundred dollars per passenger in on a, a cost item which normally accounts for 25 percent of the typical uh, cost structure of an airline so it's, uh, it's hard also, if ever SAF was available in sufficient quantities to bear in full the economic burden that this, uh, this uh, technology would uh, entail. Uh, hence, also, uh, uh, incentives uh, for the utilization, not only for uh, accelerating the production, but also for utilization of SAF within uh, are of, uh, uh, key of, of the essence of central importance. Uh, today, uh, this additional cost may, may be burned in part from the airlines, in part from, from passengers, uh, of course, on passengers to a limit to a, a, a level which will not limit uh, the demand, and for the missing part again to preserve the, a, a sufficient level of, of demand and not depressing uh, this market, uh, we will need uh, public subsidies in, in a fashion which will, will not be, we think, uh, much dissimilar from what has been uh, done over the last. Uh, uh, 10, 15 years on uh, renewable energies. Uh, just an ex- a good example is, of course, the, the photovoltaic. Um, certainly, uh, new new technologies, uh, hydrogen fueled uh, um, aircraft, also or electric uh, uh, electrical engines, are in the in the radar screen. Uh, a lot of the efforts. We have also representatives today here. Of the two most important uh, aircraft manufacturers, are de- uh, dedicating a lot of energies in this. But uh, again, a, com- a common consensus uh, indicates that uh, this will probably not be again uh, the-, the lion's share of the uh, solution in the long term. And by all means, this is not uh, an answer, of course, for the short medium term, whereby, as I said before, a, a lot of attention, a lot of uh, risks will be posed to the to the sector. So the key issue will be here to to focus on on, on concrete progress on what is actually uh, available. This chart, which was uh, uh, shared in the in the first annual congress of this pact last uh, last autumn, uh, again indicates, in summary, what the, uh, the our scientific uh, advisors uh, actually put together in terms of roadmap in liver. As, as you can see about two-thirds of the emissions uh, uh, reductions would be uh, uh, leveraging on, on biofuel plus uh, also uh, synthetic or, or electrical fuel as they call it just for a, a fourth on efficiency and on a, a visible but still a minor part on hydrogen and other and other new technologies the next chart will be again putting a bit more attention on on the risks that we see on in the in the short medium term. So one of the efforts of this uh, of this initiative was um, one, of, one of the um, aims objectives of this initiative was not only to create an alignment of all stakeholders uh, in, um, uh, which shall concur to this transition not only to pose scientific grounds, so credibility on what may be the solution going forward, but also to manage expectations of our key stakeholders, the market, the finance, and our political stakeholders. In all all cases, uh, of course, thanks to the uh, growth that has been Mm -hmm. uh, rapidly uh, recovered by the sector, in all cases, we'll see the next year uh, a a situation in which carbon intensity will be decreasing, but not to a level that combined with growth uh, will actually reduce uh, emissions in absolute terms. So we're seeing around the corner times in which the number of tons of CO2, which I was mentioning before, will actually increase. and In that times, we have to be ready, again, on an aligned basis, on a credible basis, on a scientific-based ground, with a uh, roadmap for the future, and with a, uh, a set of policies, which at that time should be uh, uh, supporting and enabling that, uh, that transition going forward. So it would be an enabling phase where policies will be key in the next 15 years' time, in which uh, the, the alignment not only shall be uh, achieved ac- across uh, industry players, but also uh, w- w- between the industry and our policymakers. Um, the situation is, is moving already. And so of course, uh, the, uh, the situation is not, is not um, uh, still. It's uh, is, is moving. We've seen a lot of projects on, on a global basis for... The uh, uh, increase in production capacity for SAF, uh, not only in Europe but also in, in the Americas. Uh, but again, as I said, uh, we are still pretty far from what uh, what is needed. So again, the the um, uh, importance uh, of supporting policies for production and utilizations w- will be key. With uh, an approach which we deem might be maybe, uh, maybe different, we're seeing an approach in the US uh, which probably is a bit different from what we're seeing in, in Europe. It's, it's a bit, you know, uh, stick and carrot, carrot approach. It's probably more a carrot approach in US where uh, there is a, in the last, uh, let me say, um, um, uh, Inflation Reduction Act, which was issued last summer, uh, there are, uh, th- this will provide significant uh, tax shields, uh, tax, uh, tax advantages for utilization of, of SAF uh, in excess of $1.5 per gallon, which is a, a material uh, advantage. Uh, some signs also in the United Kingdom uh, last year, we've we seen an uh, initial package supporting the uh, projects for new uh, SAF production. In Europe, of course, we're seeing, again, mandates, uh, so uh, we, we have to, to achieve certain targets regardless of what, how actually this may be, may be achieved, this will be left to, to the industry. So again, we have to be also to, to receive a balanced approach in times in which the industry is more and more uh, committing anyways uh, to, to, to results. So in this, this chart, we put together some, some examples. Some important airlines, mo- both on the full service traditional legacy uh, space, so France KLM, for example, but also on, on the low cost segments is also very lively in this. Ryanair, but uh, EasyJet is also committing a lot. Uh, airports are doing their job, uh, especially, of course, initially on, on their own infrastructure, which is relatively relatively easy, but also committing on uh, engaging uh, airlines on achieving certain SAF uh, targets. But uh, of course, again there is a lot of of road to do uh, we also in rome have uh, had in 2022 the first drops of SAF running into the engines of ita airways thanks also for, for to the cooperation with uh, any our oil, oil major but last year the overall uh, let me say uh, consumption of SAF accounted for 0.3 percent of the total consumption so we're still talking about uh, marginal marginal quantities so to conclude uh, Basically, we, we we're facing uh, times which probably will become uh, harder than we think uh, today, uh, certainly harder than today, because, again, distractions will probably uh, be, be leaving the, the contest when uh, this situation will be normalizing, I mean, the geopolitical and the energy sector uh, situation uh, uh, in, t- in years in which, the, again, the carbon intensity and the carbon footprint of the sector will not be uh, going down. So, in the next... Three, four, five, 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 um, five years. Hence, we have to have a uh, aligned, credible, science-based uh, um, uh, answer. Uh, Italy has put together a, uh, this initiative, uh, which we think is uh, a, an interesting case, uh, case, case example, uh, to define the way forward, to uh, advocate for enabling, uh, supporting uh, policies, and, as I said, most importantly, to manage expectations, uh, especially for the short. Uh, medium, medium term. This uh, initiative has, has seen the uh, cooperation basically of all the, uh, uh, of all the sectors. Uh, we we uh, succeeded in having a, a common position, a manifesto signed by all uh, uh, all all, uh, all players, all actors, so uh, all uh, airlines operating in Italy, all airports, handlers, uh, the manufacturers, and another key ad- all the other key industry players which uh, uh, will play uh, an essential role in this uh, in this transition, so fuel producers uh, our uh, national rail operator, which of course will play a key part f- uh, um, uh, as to the rail uh, um, tra- layer integration, uh, and also our champions national champions of the electrical transition they they are all all on board. And clearly to to engage uh, our our, uh, domestic policy makers. So uh, this initiative has been uh, blessed and supported by uh, the government, by our civil aviation uh, authority, and of course also having our ATC and a player, which again, as we said, will also give an essential contribution to uh, to to this initiative. So, in the essence, this is basically where it comes from. And uh, uh, again, we we uh, share the uh, uh, let me say uh, hope uh, messages that uh, also Director General Ololai uh, said. The prospects are challenging, but certainly the solution uh, can be reached if again the sector can uh, be, uh, ensures effectiveness and cohesion and alignment in this uh, in this effort. Thank you very much.
0: Thank you. Um, We are now coming to the second session of of this day. We managed to land on time, basically, Uh, so that is an achievement. I would like to introduce our um, uh, speakers, our panelists, on the second section. Uh, We have um, Philippe Cornelis, uh, Director of Aviation, uh, uh, Director General for Mobility and Transport of the European Commission. I have to say that a few of the MEP, our guests, are still busy with their... Um, with the work in the commissions, in the committee, so they will uh, join us if they manage a little bit later. Uh, but we have here with us Alessandra Moretti. Uh, she works in the ENV uh, committee, so the Environment uh, Committee of the European Parliament. And um, we have also uh, with us uh, Olivier Jankovec. Uh, is there? Yes, uh, Director General of AC Europe, which is the Airports Council International um and we also have with us a Thomas Reinhardt over there uh, managing director for uh, Alliance for Europe so the Alliance are uh, here uh, today present too um uh, I would like to say that um, we've heard so many uh, things uh in the first session and it's not easy clearly to decarbonize the uh, the sector and um, uh, I'm a frequent flyer, as many of you probably are here, uh, and art uh, travel is definitely the essence, the quintessence of our age. Um, and uh, when we use the English word jet set, uh, uh, we are referring to a time when art travel was exclusive. That's why we say jet set, because they could, they could afford to, uh, to, uh, the air traveling, they could afford the jets. Nowadays, is different. Accessibility is key. More of us, more or less, everybody can afford to get on, on, on a plane. Um, but COVID uh, was a huge disruption and, and actually showed us uh, how dependent we are. Uh, I remember at that time uh, when COVID struck, I was in Moscow. I was living there. And, uh, and I remember vividly when I had to write the story that Moscow was grounding in the planes. Uh, there was no more air connectivity ever, basically. So we got stuck, and and so many of us probably shared so different stories. And so we realized, okay, well, potentially you could try, you could drive from Moscow to Milan, for instance, but you cannot uh, drive from New York to Milan, for instance, or to Rome. So that is um, uh, so much that uh, we are dependent. And b- before COVID, there was at any any time up million people up in the sky, almost a city in the sky so uh, so my point is we are dependent and uh, can you stay the way know. Can, can we still be dependent and uh, so Mr. Cornelis, I want to ask you the first uh, the first question here because we heard that emissions are going to uh, are going to go up in the short term uh, and so <laughs> it seems that things need to get uh, worse before they get better um, and SAF also we heard is key to manage the transitions and uh, and we may need subsidies. And the Americans are doing that with the, the IRA. Uh, so, uh, what about the EU? Uh, is that a road that for us is uh, available too?
6: Thank you very much, and and um, thank you for inviting me also. And um, I'm very happy that you made it out of Moscow in time, <laughs> um, and are here with us uh, to talk about uh, what is really. Uh, important for our our, our joint future and, and you expressed it very well to it is about preserving connectivity uh, for the citizen at large uh, in the longer term and what i think is, is is very important today and very different from the past is that we are very much aligned between uh, the citizen uh, the political level and the industry which which probably was not the case 10 years ago uh, 10 years ago in the aviation sector, many were saying, "Ah, we cannot reduce our emissions. Uh, others have to do it. It's, it's not possible for us for physical and technological reasons. This has now completely changed. Um, and I think that the pact that uh, Mr. Toncone just uh, presented is, is a very good example of how this has changed and how the whole industry. Uh, has come together to embrace uh, the need for change, uh, that is now seen as as really an existential uh, need, and 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 something of which uh, people like uh, Mr. Trancoso are clearly personally also convinced, uh, is is the right way to go. And there are other examples. Waypoint 2050 is there. There is Destination 2050. Um, there is the Toulouse Declaration that was um, agreed um, uh, uh, under the French presidency. So we have many examples where we see that 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 everybody's coming together for this joint task and, and that is that is very very promising um, so uh, that will allow us uh, to move on all the fronts to um, to put in place the new aircraft and technologies to uh, to to bring the new fuels um, improve uh, air navigation uh, etc um, and it, it provides a very good backdrop for us to adopt also the necessary regulations. And you referred to uh, sustainable fuels is really is really the critical um, task and topic for the for the immediate future that we really have to uh, be able to ramp up production and use of, of those sustainable fuels. The industry and the airlines are actually asking for this, even though they are more expensive, they actually want to have more. Um, So, this is very, very uh, promising. Uh, We hope to be able to uh, adopt this uh, European Common Blending mandate uh, soon uh, in the the Swedish presidency uh, with the support of of the parliament uh, and the member states. Uh, We were very, very close in uh, in December to to agreeing. Um, Unfortunately, we stumbled over an issue that's not related to aviation not even related to sustainable fuels but uh, which is a much more general issue of of reliance or not on on nuclear energy and hopefully we'll be able to overcome that that difficulty in the interest of promoting the decarbonization uh, of aviation that is today in my view uh, the the first task that we have to achieve and we need for that all the electricity all the carbon free electricity that uh, we can get so we hope with the uh, approach that we have to impose on the fuel suppliers to deliver uh, fuels to the airports um, that that this will create uh, the legal certainty for the fuel suppliers to actually invest in that production to actually bring it to the market. Uh, which we haven't seen in the past, even though the technologies exist, there was not such investment. So we, we think we need that blending mandate in order to start that uh, investment. And I, I know the the fuel suppliers are waiting for the regulation to be adopted to take their final investment decisions. Um, there is, of course, the question of, of the cost, which is higher for the moment, even though over time we think it will, will go down, as it was also shown in the graphs. Uh, and, and for the initial period, um, uh, the parliament actually uh, put forward this excellent um, idea to set aside uh, a part of the ets revenues and 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 use them as saf allowances to support the uh, the the cost of uh, of sustainable fuels in the in the first years until at least until the end of this decade and quite a lot of Um, uh, money is involved. We're talking about 20 million allowances. That is something between one and a half and two billion euros. So it's very, very, um, very significant. Uh, So uh, we will be doing both supporting the uptake of SAF and pushing uh, the uptake of SAF with our blending mandate. The United States is is moving in the same direction with the same ambition. They are using only the support. Um, And we are doing actually both. Uh, but uh, clearly the, the objectives are, are the same.
0: Thank you for, for your view. Um, I would like to have a, a contribution from an MEP, uh, so uh, I, I'd like to give the floor to uh, Ms. Moretti, and uh, so give us your view on all of this, please.
7: Thank you so much, dear Let me first thank Il Patto per la Decarbonizzazione del Trasporto Aereo, for organizing this seminar and thank you to my colleague Campomenosi to invite me and thank you uh, of our Ambassador Verrecchia. Uh, We are all aware that uh, the green transition is necessary to achieve EU climate uh, goal and to fight global warming and that uh, all industrial sectors must participate to such effort including the Aviation One. While we are assisting to a progressive decarbonization of the road sector, the situation which regards to the aviation is one of somewhat more complex and requires a deeper analysis. Let me just give you some data. The largest increases of greenhouse gases up to 2030 are projected in the aviation sector, followed by international maritime transport. The reason is mainly because uh, they are not a priority for national policies. These uh, subsectors are therefore expected to constitute a higher proportion of transport sector emissions in the coming years. Aviation was particularly affected by the COVID-19 pandemic with international aviation emissions 58% lower in 2020 than in 2019. However, a drop in emissions due to the pandemic was temporary. Air traffic activity rose by 2020% in 2021, and flight numbers are expected to return to 2019 levels by 2023 at the earliest. It's also important to underline that the airline industry risks to find itself in a dangerously vulnerable position for the coming years if it doesn't take the necessary steps to decarbonize. For the sector to continue towards decarbonization, a proactive approach by all stakeholders involved is crucial in order to avoid a potential short circuit and instead encourage a long-term sustainable growth. Therefore, I consider that the initiative taken by the Aeroporti di Roma and its partner companies with the decarbonisation pact is much useful to put in evidence the efforts of the sector towards sustainability and should be taken as an example in shaping the future EU policies and initiatives. The FIT455 package has been a clear step in the right direction with many initiatives, ETS Aviation, Single European Sky Plus, but in particular, the Refuel EU initiative, which aims to progressively introduce sustainable aviation fuels, will play an important role to decarbonise the sector. Sustainable aviation fuels targets alone will not, however, be sufficient. It's necessary to adopt an holistic approach which should also take into consideration the sustainability of these fuels while ensuring their availability at a sufficient quantity as well as their affordability. Although, according to several independent studies, sustainable aviation fuels are the most effective decarbonization lever, they won't be sufficient alone. Other measures like, for instance, the development of aircraft technology, operational and infrastructural improvements, the offset of residual emission will be therefore necessary. An holistic approach is therefore necessary if we want to reach the decarbonization of the sector in line with the European Green Deal objectives. And I'm therefore happy to have been invited to participate in this interesting debate with the aim of making the initiative of Aeroporto di Roma known at the European level. Thank you for your attention.
0: Thank you so much. Um, okay. Um, I have a question now for Mr. Young. Um, because in a recent policy paper that you guys uh, wrote, uh, you guys wrote that rebuilding connectivity will depend uh, on a number of factors, and the primary of which is the affordability of tickets, um, which, you know, in these days with, with, uh, with energy prices are, are going up anyway. Um but and the green transition is going to have a cost. Uh, so my, my question is in short, um, is achievable to, to to recreate that connectivity in a, in a short term in this environment?
8: Yes, can you hear me? Yes, so thank you very much for, for inviting us to be part of this event. It's a real pleasure in, uh, in particular because of course this is about Aeroporto di Roma and what they're doing. And Aeroporto di Roma has been a long-standing member of our organisation. And I think I can say with a lot of confidence that uh, they've always been at the forefront of the decarbonisation and sustainability efforts of the, of the industry. Uh, I think the question you're asking is can we recover and at the same time decarbonize? Uh, I think this can be only one answer to that. There won't be any recovery long term for this sector if we don't decarbonize at the same time. I think the reasons are pretty clear. Uh, uh, Clearly, uh, the the climate issue is becoming an emergency. We get more and more scientific reports that tell us that we're on a trajectory of 2.7 degrees increase, so very far from achieving the Paris Agreement. And I think what is very important in the urban context is that if we look at what has happened over the past two years, we've seen an increasing number of European citizens experiencing firsthand the impact of climate change for the very first time. So that is shaping social and political debates, and that is putting a lot of pressure on the sector to decarbonize. And I think today, if you ask to any European airports, it is very clear that for us, This is no longer just about our license to grow in the future, but very simply and directly about our license to keep operating. So there's only one way to go. Um, Henrik uh, Hololei has mentioned the efforts done by the airport industry. Thank you, Henrik. We've been indeed working a lot on carbon management at airports since 2009 through our airport carbon accreditation program uh, with the support of the European Commission of ICAO the UNFCCC. And I think if you look at the numbers coming out of this programme, what you can see is that actually, notwithstanding COVID, you see more and more airports engaging in active carbon management, despite the difficulties economically that COVID is bringing. Uh, Just to give you a few figures, we have now 229 airports in Europe, accounting for 75% of traffic, that are certified for carbon management under the programme. That means airports that, on a daily basis, are working to reduce their carbon emissions. Which is very good, and what strikes me is that uh, since February 2020, roughly w- at the start of the pandemic, we had actually 80 more airports joining the programme. So it shows that indeed decarbonisation has remained, despite the difficulties, a very I would say a top priority for the industry, for the airport industry. I think uh, when you look at um, how are we going to make it happen collectively with our partners, with the airlines, with the ANSPs, with the aircraft manufacturers, there are three top issues that come. Uh, for us that we need to address, again, collaboratively, with the support of our policy makers and regulators. <coughs> the first one, when you look at airports and the, the efforts I mentioned are very much focused on the scope one and two emissions, so those CO2 emissions that an airport actually controls. So it's the emissions mainly from the building and from the vehicle used on the ground. But clearly, the big challenge is to address what we call the scope three emissions, the emissions from the aircraft. And there, of course, this is about what the airports can do to to influence, to guide and support airlines, especially in reducing their emissions. And the big challenge for us, and I think Henry Kololai also mentioned that, is going to be how we are going to transform our infrastructure to ensure that we can deploy new energy at airports for electric aircraft, for hydrogen-powered aircraft. This involves a massive transformation of our facilities and massive investment. And there I come to the second issue, which is financing, which is really crucial. Um, I think uh, if you look back at, at where European airports have, have gone through over the past three years of the pandemic, um, you know, it was a massive blow. Uh, we lost 20 billion euro collectively through these past two years. As a result, our debt has increased by <laughs> 60 billion euro. So the big worry we have now is, you know, the fact that an increasing bigger part of our future revenues have to be used to repay that debt. And that means we have much less money available, potentially, to invest in decarbonization. And this is, again, where the issue of EU financing and support is, is key. Uh, Philip Cornelis has mentioned uh, the stick approach, balance with uh, the carrot approach in the EU. And of course, we recognize the necessity of the sticks. We are fully behind the objectives of and, and the mandates of the racial EU. But I think when we look uh, more closely at what is being done um, across the Atlantic in the US with the inflation reduction hack that was mentioned, it's very clear that we need more carrots, that we need to achieve the sticks or the requirements of the sticks, that we need more carrots. Um, in the Inflation Reduction Act in the US, we estimate that uh, the monies available to the sector to decarbonize would be in the order of 52 billion euro. And that compares to the 1.52 billion euro of uh, the uh, self-allocation fund. So clearly, we're still far and, and, and we need to, to be more inventive and more courageous in the EU to, to get financing support for, for this sector. The third third element, uh, which is also very important, is policy alignment um, and and being coherent and consistent. And and that's linked to, of course, collaboration between all the sector, but also our policymakers and regulators. Um, I won't go back too much on the single European skies, which I think uh, is frustrating everybody, not just you, Henrik, at the moment, in terms of the slow pace and the lack of progress. But this is clearly what we need to see happening, those ten percent of emissions that can be instantly reduced if we make the reform needed for the air traffic management system. The second issue is the temptation of some countries in Europe to ban short haul flying. Um, I think this is this is really ludicrous, first because in terms of efficiency, if you look at uh, the CO2 emissions from short-haul flying, it's 5% of aviation emissions. So you're attacking the 5%, whereas most of the emissions come from longer-distance flying. But on top of that, it's the fact that actually, when we look at the solutions to decarbonize aviation, and especially the new technology for aircraft, these are going to be implemented first on short-haul routes. So why are you going to kill the, the, the part of the sector that is going to be the test bed to achieve the transition. This doesn't make sense. And there, I must say, I'm very uh, grateful for the commission decision, uh, the recent commission decision on the uh, uh, French uh, ban for some domestic routes. uh, Because that decision, although it authorizes the French government to implement this ban for a uh, limited number of routes, it states very clearly that this ban can be only valid for a short time, the next three years, because from the moment FIFO 55 will come into effect, there will be no legal justification anymore under EU law for banning domestic routes, and I think that's a very important uh, decision for the sector. Lastly, on regulatory alignment, uh, very briefly, uh, airport slots. Uh, Clearly, uh, we're going to be confronted with more and more difficulties to develop future capacity at European airports, and in that context, How we allocate and use the airport slots to make sure we have a more effective uh, use of airport capacity is going to be also very important to contribute to the decarbonization and efficiency efforts of the sector. Uh, I will stop here. Um, Thank you very much. And uh, we look forward to keep working, of course, with the European Commission, with the European Parliament to advance together our biggest challenge ever, decarbonizing our sector. Thank you.
0: OK, thank you. And now we come to the last piece of the jigsaw in, in the terms of the first round of, of, uh, um, of speakers. Uh, so I would like to, uh, to ask my question to Mr. Thomas Reynard. Um, so the, uh, uh, we said managing director for the airlines for Europe. Um, what is the airline point of view on all of this? I mean, in the end, you are certainly one of the most visible elements of this aviation ecosystem. Because in the end, you put up the, the, the planes in the sky. So, um, how, how is challenging for you? I mean,
9: get to to the results at this point. Thank you very much, uh, Mattia, and, and many thanks to the Araporti um, di Roma for the kind invitation. And indeed, um, uh, a lot of things have been said also, including the role of the airlines by my colleagues from the airports, and um, uh, which is fine because we are very much interconnected. We cannot talk about uh, uh, the case of the airports without mentioning the airlines and vice versa so uh, we are very much interconnected and this is why a partnership is amongst us of course very important so i will try not to duplicate too much but some of some of the important things have been mentioned from from an airline's perspective already i think if the, i wanted to uh, maybe as a brief introduction first mention a couple of things um that i think uh, are very important first of all it's important to say that um, with Destination 2050, um, it is a, a massive but also a very critical effort uh, from the entire European aviation sector, not only the airports, uh, the airlines, but also the NSPs and the manufacturers having come together and commit uh, to this very important uh, net zero target by 2050 through a number of stages through the roadmap. On that, it's also interesting to note that the roadmap very much mirrors uh, the, the Pact for Decarbonization of Air Transport, which mm-hmm which is the theme of today's, uh, today's discussion um, let's also remind ourselves that we were the first uh, aviation sector worldwide to actually take this commitment uh, shortly before iata took the same commitment which of course has its own challenges because it's a global truly global commitment but it's the same type of commitment with the same basket of uh, of, of, of measures uh, and i remember when 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 we were discussing things with with olivier and the colleagues around the table when we made this commitment you know, not all the partners of the other parts of the world like to see this commitment. Uh, but I'm very proud we made this commitment. And of course, it's in the context of the Green Deal. Uh, we are where we are, and, and, and we are very much committed to, to the, the Green Deal. And with that, of course, also Fit for 55. Um, I will not go into detail about the SAF at this point of time because the colleagues before already mentioned the importance, and, and Henrik mentioned the importance. Uh, and Philippe, of uh, SAF in the decarbonisation effort. But it's important to state that this is not you know, talking about tomorrow and the long future. We're talking really about, about the now and the need to have SAF at an affordable cost. But I would say even more importantly, as you alluded to, the supply. Airlines are ready to take up SAF at a higher cost. Let's be realistic. Uh, but we need, have, we need to have the SAF uh, urgently. The upcoming, (coughs) finally, we will get the results, hopefully, on on the refuel, uh, uh, EU refuel aviation uh, uh, legislation very soon. We see that European Parliament, of course, is pushing more ambitious targets, but I think we need to make sure that we somehow temper the ambition with the reality given of the very low base we are coming off. But at the moment, airlines are extremely committed. At the moment, um, some airlines only use one to two percent of the SAF uptake because there's no more available. And just to finish, maybe my quick introduction is, is given that the onus is really when you're talking about reducing, massively reducing CO2 emissions, uh, the onus will be really on, on the airlines, because we all know most of the CO2 emissions are produced in aviation uh, with landing and takeoff uh, by the airlines. Um, and this is why a solid, a continued solid partnership with the European aviation partners, not only the airports, but all the people um, in the supply chain a solid partnership we will also have to include some financial solidarity. Uh, I think we need to take into account a huge challenge uh, to get to sustainable aviation going forward, and we cannot ignore the economics around it. It's no excuse, but we have to be realistic. Now, four points I want to mention to your um, questions, Mathieu, on the, the perspective of airlines more specifically. First of all, to go back on SAF, is the production and the, and the uptake. Uh, I cannot stress this enough. Uh, the initiative uh, of the uh, U.S. Inflation Reduction Act has been mentioned. It's happening today. I know it's a, also a hugely political issue uh, aside from our aviation challenge, but I think in a way it's an op- important opportunity for us to point to see what's happening on the other side of the pond. This is really happening and we need to uh, do better in Europe. We need to take advantage of the political um, uh, dynamism around it. and. Um, in the context of the fact that it is difficult to decarbonize in aviation, we we really need to take the European efforts as a result of the Inflation Reduction Act very seriously for aviation. So I see this as an opportunity uh, at the same time. The second point is, I think we should stop losing focus of the bigger picture through what I would call ineffective but politically convenient policies in Europe. And I'm talking mainly about some national policies, whether it's to punitive taxes, or as we recently have seen in France, Flight bans, these are measures that seemingly, to the public, will take care of reducing CO2 emissions. I think the people sitting here around the table and the experts know this is just a political gesture. It's actually not going to do anything about reducing CO2 emissions, but it will take money away from the sector. So in a way, there is some contradiction. On the one hand, we've been asked to obviously spend more and accelerate investment in sustainable efforts. And on the other hand, we see measures that actually limit that, or at least punish us uh, indirectly because of these punitive uh, measures. I would actually also argue you know, airlines have been accused of some greenwashing, some more than others maybe. But I would even argue that some of the governments are probably also greenwashing by proposing and implementing knee-jerk policies, the ones I just mentioned, that actually do very little to improve sustainability or have very little sizable impact on, on, on emissions. The third point I wanted to mention is that we need to ensure that the industry and airlines in particular can continue to invest in green transition. The debate we see around now at the level of the EU taxonomy clearly dismisses, totally doesn't recognize the urgent need not only to invest, but just the possibility uh, for airlines and our partners to invest in sustainability. We all know that aviation is is a capital incentive industry that has not changed, on the contrary. So now is really not the time to make it even more difficult for airlines to invest. You know what the investment grade of airlines is. I don't have to give you any examples. It's always been a challenge, but in particular now, it's even more important that we do have access, and I'm talking primarily access to private capital, let alone public funding, Let's focus on private capital. So let's not make it even more difficult uh, than it is today. And finally, I think in addition to having access to the investment capital, we need to make sure that the airlines market in Europe can remain competitive in a healthy manner, uh, a level playing field to make sure that we can compete. Because remember, the European Commission has done huge efforts for the single valuation market. It was a great success not completely finished yet. I think we need to continue to build, to optimize this single aviation market in a sustainable manner more uh, than ever. And now is, I think, the the way to continue to optimize that single aviation market, make sure that we can grow in a sustainable manner, and at the same time also ensuring connectivity. They're not mutually exclusive. We can grow, and the roadmap shows it, that we can grow, that we can grow the industry, can continue to create jobs, that we can grow connectivity, not just preserve it, we can grow connectivity, but we can do it in a sustainable manner. But we absolutely need the the regulatory framework, the European regulatory framework to make sure it can happen. And I think just to finalize, uh, I'm really looking forward to, I would say, the solidarity and the partnership that we have created um, before COVID in in the context of Destination 2050, but also during COVID. Um, We know that we can be resilient, but I do personally, there are limits and I think this is a good test to these limits. I'm looking forward to the continuous solid partnership um, with with our friends from the airports uh, across the board and let's really work together also with uh, the European Commission and European Parliament and the Council to make sure that we have the regulatory framework. And at the end of the day, I think it's also, uh, Henrik, that you mentioned it, this is about connectivity. I would say. Let's make it sure that it's affordable connectivity, uh, that we talk real uh, when we bring out these measures. And let us allow police to invest. We are committed. We will invest. And yes, just to some say, will this make flying more expensive? Yes, a lot of things are becoming more expensive in life, including flying. But I think people are ready to, to pay for that in a sustainable manner if we can show that aviation is truly sustainable. Thank you very much.
0: OK, uh, Miss Moretti has to go, so... Um, right, we have some time left, uh, so we can have a second round of, of questions and answers. Uh, let's see. Um, it's been said that the role of regulators and lawmakers is key, so I would like to give some space to the uh, lawmakers and the regulators. So, um, Mr. Campomenosi, you said in, in your opening uh, speech that, um, uh, that um, the political group now are all engaged. They are all on board, so to speak. Um, uh, and this is good, because with, without uh, division, maybe we can achieve uh, more concrete results. Um, at the same time, global problems um, need global solution, has been said time and time and time and again. So I would like to ask you if you see um, uh, maybe a risk if Europe goes alone, and uh, and uh, maybe you, the U.S. But I mean, if the Western Front is not, uh, I mean, is alone in the fight, and then maybe the industry can 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 find in an awkward solution because uh, some of the routes can be uh, rerouted, and and maybe the the the, industry, um, the tourism industry can suffer as well. I mean, it's, it's not easy to coordinate uh, what we are doing here. Uh, w- what is your take on that?
1: well this question would need uh, not a panel but uh, a set of conferences uh, during uh, uh, during an entire week because uh, the, the issue is very interesting very very important because of course uh, i believe that um, global initiatives uh, as we try to make in some other sectors are very important would be very important because of course, we are not so only speaking about decarbonizing the, the environment uh, of our continent, but only also uh, to have a, a business uh, with on transport sector, not only for the, the aircrafts, uh, which has to 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 be rentable for the investors. If not, we are we have not uh, we have not uh, investors, uh, and and above all. Uh, Uh, I also think that we could also consider, maybe the the next legislators after 2024, uh, sorry, to adapt uh, or to modify or to consider to discuss about uh, the competition rules, especially in this sector, uh, in front of the efforts that the actual operators uh, uh, in the infrastructures, in in the aircrafts uh, are making, because... uh, Mm, the costs are, are very important, I think, uh, and I feel in my political experience uh, in this term uh, that they are all engaged. Uh, I also follow the maritime sector, for which, uh, for example, there is an availability of technology which is a bit uh, easier. No? So maybe their efforts, which are also very important, uh, could uh, uh, see an end in a closer in a closer moment. Uh. But for example, Mr. Cornelis mentioned it, uh, we need uh, f- to see if uh, uh, a certain amount of money from ETS could be invested directly on this sector. This is the same debate we are making on the maritime sector, but on this we have to involve the member states uh, because uh, uh, part of, of this amount is uh, also to be defined with them. The financial uh, instruments issue is also very important because if we need stuff uh, with affordable prices, we have to subsidize it. I think that the debate, the general debate on the, a, a temporary framework on the state aid should include also this. I think that uh, we, we should have Mrs. Versager uh, come into all the committees every time because this is very important. I know how much she's engaged on this. And um, that's not only a debate between member states saying ah, okay, I cannot uh, uh, put in the market the same amount of mo- of, of money of Germany, but uh, this is something for which uh, we are debating, but we should have a- another another how to say uh, view. So in- another detail that it has not been mentioned here is I think uh, the availability of um, capacity of storage of energy, because this is something for which uh, in the maritime sector they are also thinking about. So when we speak about uh, the infrastructure of the airports, I think we have also to start thinking about this. Maybe, uh, of course, thanks to the, 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 the connectivity and the, with railways, we could uh, really have uh, good examples. Uh, but But of course, if we speak about electricity, we need also capacity of storage of electricity. And uh, this is something for which uh, um, it's very good. I saw in the pact of uh, decarbonization the logos of uh, enterprises as Enel, which are making a lot, and for which I think uh, uh, not only Aeroporti di Roma should, should 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 work on this path. So um, uh, on short length flights, I know it's. I also believe that it's a political decision and not something which is really. Um, uh, focus on on, on the, the impact uh, of environmental, but of course, uh, politics is also something which is uh, playing a role. But uh, but um, but I think that uh, the legislator will try to to have a, a good balance uh, on the final results of the legislative uh, regulations on which we are working on. Uh, with the help of the member states and the commission i think uh, we are doing uh, something good for the future of our continent um we heard so many
0: things but also we also heard that uh, intermodality can be a key and um and maybe a better integrated air travel and railways uh, can be also a solution at least in the in the in in the short term or maybe in the in the medium term uh, altogether i mean uh, mr cornelius i want to ask you from your point of view um, you are one of the reg- the regulators i mean it's 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 uh, in the way you you, you regulate uh, the industry has a, a lot of impact um, so it is good to hear that everybody is on board everybody's focused to get to the point to get results and to decarbonize the industry but it is fair to say that maybe the air industry, it is a sector that may not be fully decarbonized in the end. And is that accept- acceptable? Uh, I mean, may we have to confront the fact that we don't have the, the, uh, uh, the science to do that as fast as we do we, in other sectors. And do you think that is something that uh, it is fair to say to the public that maybe that particular or a small part of the, the air industry may stay that way longer, because otherwise, we don't get to go to places in the way that
6: we do now. Well, we have in the the context of the Green Deal, of course, uh, done uh, modeling and projections, uh, not just for 2030, but also for 2050. Um, of all sectors of the economy, and it's clear that uh, some will be able to uh, decarbonize more quickly than others for for technological and and, and practical reasons. But overall, with the package that we have put on the table, uh, with all the measures, uh, including the ones affecting aviation, but also all the other sectors, taken together, we will reach our target. So that's, I think, the the main message uh, that we have here. Uh, it, it can be, of course, 2050 is still far away and, and a lot of technological developments can take place between now and then. But we do hope that we will have zero emission aircraft, hydrogen uh, powered aircraft. But we also know that to replace the aviation fleet, it takes time uh, because aircraft uh, are a bit too expensive to replace them every five years. Um, so we will need sustainable fuels for, for a long time, we think well beyond 2050. Um, uh, some of these sustainable fuels will be almost zero emission. The ones that are produced from the, the synthetic fuels produced from from hydrogen, uh, whether it's um, whether it's uh, uh, renewable or, or nuclear hydrogen. So that 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 will be a part of the of the of the overall picture. And beyond that, of course, aviation is also an ETS. So, every emission that is still there at any given point, the the sector is paying for it. And over time, uh, these carbon emissions are becoming more expensive. So, um, we we have to see where exactly we are in in 2050. But uh, uh, we will be able to, uh, with the technologies that we know today and expect, a very, very, very significant reduction. Uh, provided that we start today and that we allow the necessary investment. And I I just wanted to pick up on this point uh, that clearly it's only going to work if there is enough investment that is stimulated to go in this direction. Uh, And here uh, the ongoing discussions on the uh, European taxonomy is absolutely essential because uh, aviation sector is financed not from subsidies from the state. Uh, unlike other modes of transport, it's, it's financed from uh, loans, uh, from private capital. Uh, and, and in the future, the, the green taxonomy will play a bigger and bigger role also for private financing. Many banks already today are saying, I want X percent of my portfolio to be in the green uh, taxonomy. So uh, if we are not able to put aviation in the green taxonomy, uh, we will starve the sector from investment. Uh, from both public and private sectors that's why it's very important and we are in the process of working out a delegated act um, on on this um, which which of course delegated act comes from the commission but we do need the political support both from the member states and the parliament uh, to make this happen and, and it's really essential uh, for for the purposes of the decarbonization pathway that we are discussing here today uh.
0: Yes, I think we have time for a full second round of of, of questions. So, um, Mr. Jankovec, um again, the airports. I want to call the airports uh, into into the full picture. So, um, you are, uh, as it has been said, uh, there is no plane without airports, and uh, and, and uh, an airport with no planes is pretty useless. So, um, what you, you you said that in 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 the uh, finance is another key for for you to uh to make way for the for the, for the green transitions and to pay for all these in investments um but maybe it's easier from the point of view of a of an airport of an airport because in the end is um, uh, is a facility i mean you are on the ground so in in, in a way you can you have a, a business model that is more uh, traditional uh, traditional so uh, do you think that um, the airport industry has already all that it takes now to face the uh, uh, the, the transitions? Or uh, you also have a, a gap in terms of uh, science that you need t- time to to wait for something, you know, a, a magic, kind of a, a magic instrument to, have, to to come and rescue?
8: Thank you for your question. Uh, I think if you look at those emissions that are under the direct control of the airport, so as I mentioned earlier, the scope one emissions uh, mainly from, from vehicles and buildings, and the scope to emissions. So the, build, the emissions coming from purchased electricity, which is generated off-site. Um, we have all, all the solutions available. It's a question of financing and being able to invest uh, to transform the facilities to buy vehicles that are electric and to secure the, the energy production. So So, you know, actually we do have already now in Europe 10 airports that have achieved net zero for scope one and two emissions, uh, airports in Sweden operated by Svidavia. Of course it was greatly facilitated because those airports have access to very cheap green electricity from the grid and from the moment you have this, you know, it's it's fairly it's fairly easy. But not all airports are in the same situation, uh, you know, not, not everybody is like Sweden in terms of production of uh, green electricity through the grid. So um, those efforts need to be the willingness of the airports and and those efforts need to be facilitated also by the energy producers uh, clearly nationally then when you look at what uh, we call the scope through emissions so the emissions that the airport facilitates through the businesses that use the airports and again there it's mainly the airlines uh we're in the same uh, the same game as, as the airlines and this is why actually we've worked very closely uh, now for the last three years uh, with, with the airlines, with, with Thomas, with A4E, uh, developing the destination 2050 uh, roadmap for decarbonization of, of European aviation uh, and, and achieving net zero by 2050. And I think uh, it's fair to say we, we, we fully share all, all the solution and I cannot agree more with, uh, with what Thomas has said in terms of what needs to happen at European level and national level uh, to facilitate uh, the decarbonisation of, of of the aircraft.
0: Thank you. So um, I'll close with um, Mr. Reynard. A second round of questions for you. Um, you said that um, uh, people may be ready to pay more um, because they understand that they, they they can understand what they are paying for in terms of uh, uh, decarbonizations but also you. You know, the industry doesn't need punitive taxes. I want to ask you a question. Uh, maybe we also need to get a little bit creative because when I said that um, the, the jet set was another year, maybe maybe today we have something that is different. We have the private jet set, for instance, um, and uh, and those planes uh, are consuming very much. They have a, a, a disproportionate uh, disproportionate impact on 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 uh, on the climate emissions. So. For instance, uh, would you define the completely crazy idea that these private jets would be taxed more uh, for for uh, being operated? For instance, today, or even another crazy idea that maybe who can afford business class uh, tickets or first class tickets, maybe they could pay a little bit more for contributing to the carbonizations. I mean, the idea is like, how much do we can uh, can we stay? Um, let me rephrase it how much creative we can be uh, and we need to be uh, from now on to get uh, uh, to get to the point where we need to go. Thanks.
9: Interesting ideas. <laughs> uh, obviously, I cannot uh, uh, comment on, on on the business aviation aspect of things. Uh, I represent a commercial commercial airlines, um, but I think we need to see it probably in a bigger picture of talked about, I think, of of interconnectivity of the different modes of transport. Uh, Maybe maybe a misconception, not in this room, Um, but just to give you an idea that airlines actually are are very much in favor of of railways, um, especially railways connecting airports. uh, And in particular, we're very much in favor of of a a better um, connectivity of high-speed rail. Um, because high-speed rail uh, plays a very important role into connecting the hubs. And it's not not necessarily the fact that airlines absolutely want to connect shorter distances depends case by case, but I think the good example is Brussels-Amsterdam. KLM has been asking for decades for a better connection, a high-speed rail connection, an efficient connection, and sufficient capacity on that high-speed connection between Brussels and Amsterdam. It's only recently... That efforts are being made progress is being made brussels paris works very well if you book a ticket uh, from say from charles de gaulle from brussels it's a train you're taking so that that model works and also of course reduces further to the reduction of co2 emissions. You, you could argue just to come back to private versus commercial aviation i'm of course very much in favor of more use of commercial aviation to give you an example with a load factor of about 80%, so 80% of the seats are filled. Today's aircraft, uh, you you have a um, consumption per passenger there of about 2.2 liters of kerosene per passenger. So actually, with the capacity in the load factor, the load factor you see these days, your carbon footprint is much lower than driving your car, assuming you're not driving a full electrical car, but even a hybrid car, Consumes more if it runs on petrol than on average than 2.2 liters, so um, it is already commercial aviation is already performing very well uh, if you have a good uh, a good uh, good load factor, and that's maybe then to finish to put things into perspective. Today we can fly we fly if we if we say we fly with sustainable aviation fuels, we can fly uh, with the current engines up a on a 50 percent blend. If you think about You know, we're all proud that we we drive biofuels with the car. You know, E10 is 10%. We fly 50%. We've been flying this for years. The only trouble is we don't have enough of the fuel. But we could we could do a lot more just even with the engines of today if we have much more sustainable aviation fuels. We can go up to a reduction of 85% using today's aviation fuels. Now with e-fuels, it's going to be even better. You can go up to 100%. You could you could argue. And the engines as we speak are being certified now to uh to fly with with basically be able to fly 100 percent aviation fuels so there are actually things that are happening today and maybe just to finish on that you know we talk about single single european sky and and we very much share have been sharing the frustration with dg move uh, hendrik and philippe in particular that it's not making any progress still uh not disregarding the importance of single aviation uh, of of ces two plus is that Eurocontrol we're working very closely with the network manager that manages the european traffic they're doing a lot already to reduce uh, co2 emissions by making european traffic uh, much more um, much more uh, uh, efficient um, that's already happening today the difference with s2 plus is that we can really jump up to up to 100 co2 emissions today with the technologies that they are available today um, And this is where I would say, so commercial aviation, if you are going to fly, to be honest, I think commercial aviation is still the best option to do it in a, I would say, sustainable manner. Uh, Airlines have understood what the passengers want, what the public wants. For us, I would say regulation or no regulation, there is no way back. We have understood we need to serve the customer, and customers want to fly green, they want to continue to fly, that's the good news, Uh, but they want to fly in a sustainable manner so i'm I'm optimistic uh fit for fifty five will help more funding for SAF will help, but there is no way back as for the airports, people realize fully you know we want to have sustainable aviation, and we will have to serve our customers whatever it takes thanks Thank you I completely uh, share the
1: call for <laughs> Don't allow phone calls on board please please i's I, the, the only moment I relax uh, without people speaking at the phone uh, no, I joke, eh? but I know that there are uh, developments also on 5G and things, uh, but it's a joke, but not so not so much. <laughs> no, no,
0: I, I completely agree. I, sh- I share your call and I also share the call for a better connect- connection with Amsterdam. Okay, we are 5.01, so um, absolutely in time. And with that, over to you, Mr. Troncone, for your
5: closing remarks yeah just a, just a few few final words uh, again thanks uh, thanks for all the participants today to to dedicate again all, all this time and all this attention to this um, uh, key 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 theme uh, i think we can uh, we can see that we truly succeeded in uh, in in what was our uh, ultimate goal of this uh, of for this event so bringing together the institutional uh, representatives in this uh, uh, such such important institutional setting, and the main actors of our industry, and also our um, say contributors of other industries, which will be again concurring in making this transition happen uh, in the future. Cooperation will be essential, as the Director General Olle said. The cooperation uh, we have to continue on, on this on this path, mm-hmm. uh, uh, exploiting also this moment, which is uh, uh, again uh, yeah a challenging timeframe, but at the same time also the moment in which we still feel a strong of alignment as as also Philippe Cornelis said uh, it's it's a, uh, it's a moment it's an opportunity that we have to, to capture maybe 10 years 15 years ago we probably couldn't have thought of you know bringing all actors together at the same table and you know to speaking speaking with uh, uh, with one voice Thanks again for all the all the members of the steering committee of the of the pact for all the for adhering to the pact for all the works uh, which uh, made also the first annual congress uh, a success and for the manifesto which was signed by by all parties which is a concrete physical evidence of the willingness to again to be aligned and to and to speak with one voice and also thanks especially for for the works uh, in view of the next. Uh, annual congress which will take place uh, later this year. Uh, Discussions are progressing well in all the roundtables. On several uh, key topics, including especially intermodality, but in particular now the group is reviewing a, a set of uh, policy recommendations uh, on all the key fronts that will be relevant uh, for uh, for these very mm-hmm. crucial years uh, ahead of us, uh, especially of, of course on, on the on the 50, 455 ne- uh, legislation the refuel uh, eu initiative where where trilogue negotiations are happening in, in these very in these very weeks, especially on targets. Hopefully, to see these targets, uh, uh, seeing more and more consistency with uh, what the industry is uh, will be effectively uh, capable to, to deliver, uh, and also with some support. For example, possibly uh, utilising uh, revenues. Uh, uh, this was mentioned by Mr. Capomino from uh, from uh, from auctioning the ETS allowances will be uh, phasing out uh, in 2026. This is a position that Asia Europe is uh, strongly advocating for. Um, Anyways, altogether we remain very very optimistic about the, the ability to succeed in the required uh, time frame and also to attract the support by, by regulators. We're seeing some good developments on, uh, on taxonomy. For example, in the very last developments that we saw happening late, uh, very late last year, in December, the, we, we reviewed the, the latest issues of the FAQs uh, on, on taxonomy and we're seeing a much better those, those, those norms better recognizing the, the role that airports can uh, can actually cover with a broader uh, eligibility of, the, of these activities this is very very important when it comes also you know to attract uh, the support of the financing uh award but we know anyways we will have to deserve uh, such support And to that end, again, for this reason, uh, this is why we're we're here today uh, to implement whatever we can to to gain ground uh, uh, immediately here and now, but also to commit to define a way forward in which all actors, uh, institutional and uh, and industry players share uh, the merit, the potential to preserve and and further develop a sector which uh, is essential for economic development, for social enrichment, and for freedom. Thank you very much.
1: Non abbiamo nessun intervento